Hello, this is Roya Ferugi, and you are listening to Slow Clean Air Podcasts. We are here today talking with Vince Kirkhoff and Ryan Silber. Vince is an air quality specialist in our planning and outreach division, and Ryan is a fellow in the Civic Spark program. Thank you both so much for being here with us today. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk about the Civic Spark program specifically, and let's start off by giving everyone a better idea of what the Civic Spark program is. Can you tell everyone a little bit about the organizational structure of the program? Yeah, sure. So on paper, the organizational structure is very complicated. Uh, It was launched in 2014 as a governor's initiative of the AmeriCorps AmeriCorps program. So this meant that Governor Jerry Brown identified this program and endorsed it for each year of its existence to ensure that it is continually funded. So as an AmeriCorps program, uh, it focuses on environmental issues in local communities. And it's run by the Local Government Commission, a nonprofit focused on creating sustainable communities in California. And they handle the management and logistics of the Civic Spark program. So, to sum it up, Civic Spark is an AmeriCorps program endorsed by Governor Jerry Brown, managed by the Local Government Commission. Uh, there are also 48 Climate Action Fellows and then 20 Fellows that focus on water issues. Okay, great. And so, what are the areas that the Civic Spark program? specifically addresses? Yeah, so the program is dedicated to building capacity for local governments to address climate change and water management issues. So by capacity building, we mean that we're here to expand on the ability of local government offices, uh, which are facing shrinking budgets while also facing growing needs in their communities. So we focus on the climate change related issues, which are often some of the first to face budget uh, reductions. So uh, each fellow has one to three projects, each with measurable outcomes, and they focus on impacting the local community, uh, whether that's a county or a city or a municipality. So each of us also has a volunteer engagement project of 100 or more hours each where we help the local community in an issue of our choosing. And projects of uh, the climate and water-related projects, uh, some examples of the focuses are sustainable transportation, energy efficiency, creating climate action plans, greenhouse gas, gas inventories, groundwater management. There's a whole bunch of issues related to climate change that we all are out here to address. Yeah, uh, this is the third year that APCD uh, has been a Civic Spark regional partner and host. Um, And our local municipalities tend to be on the small end of the spectrum, so they often don't have personnel or the budget to commit to um, climate-related issues. So over the past couple of years, the Civic Spark program has been able to assist our uh, local cities and and the county with implementation of their uh, climate action plans And uh, many of these projects, the implementation projects, uh, may not have happened at all due to the limited resources of the municipalities. Um, And this year, Ryan is working on two uh, major projects. Yes, so my focus this year is working on a residential building retrofit protocol uh, that we can quantify reductions to greenhouse gases and put them on a greenhouse gas credit exchange. Uh, and my other main project is an analysis of existing climate change adaptation plans for Slow County and the individual cities. 
and I need to make an inventory of climate adaptation planning efforts countywide with an eye towards updating the adaptation plan. Okay, great. So you both mentioned climate change issues. So what are the biggest climate-related challenges facing the Central Coast? Yes, so with climate change comes a lot of different uh, issues. Some of the main ones facing the Central Coast include more wildfires. Uh, Everyone's familiar with sea level rises, uh, decreased water supply with these longer drought cycles we're facing. Uh, and specifically to the central coast, there's a lot of air pollution related to transportation. And cl- changing climate zones also mean different agricultural crops are going to be uh, available. So those are just a few, but the greatest impacts will be felt by those who are most exposed, most sensitive, and have the lowest adapt- adaptive capacity. So this means uh, exposure is basically related to geography. So if you're living by the coast, you're the most exposed to sea level rise. Uh, Sensitivity, it's like the degree of impact that is maybe facing you. So for instance, asthmatics are more sensitive to air pollution. So how can communities and individuals identify the climate change induced risks that face them? Well, uh, in our county, many of the impacts of climate change will be exhibited through the effects of water or the lack of it. Um, Of course, sea level rise is well publicized and and that could result in the loss of wetlands, marshes, and estuaries. Uh, But it would also create new estuaries, marshes, and wetlands. Uh, It also would have impacts on roads and highways and bridges. Uh, our ports, our harbors, and uh, possible saltwater intrusion into wells. The summers may be hotter, longer, and drier, and uh, the winter and spring storms may be more severe, but changing weather patterns uh, could still result in less water in the rivers and streams, uh, which would mean lower groundwater recharge rates, uh, loss of native species, and an increase of invasive species. Um, changing ecosystems for agriculture, including cattle range. Okay, so you're working on two projects right now, and one relating to mitigation and one to adaptation. Could you guys explain the difference between the two? Yeah, sure. So mitigation uh, is basically actions taken to reduce the long-term risks from climate change. So reducing greenhouse gas emissions, conserving water, those are uh, two great forms of mitigation. Uh, And yeah, so adaptation is focused on preparing for a future where the effects of climate change are real. Okay, great. And could you guys explain to our listeners more about the CAPCOA GHG exchange? Yeah. um, Well, it was established by uh, CAPCOA, which is the California Air Pollution Control Officers Association, uh, which is a professional interagency association for the 35 California Air Pollution Control and Air Quality Management Districts. The California Environmental Quality Act requires that environmental impacts from land use development projects, if they're found to be significant, be mitigated to a level of insignificance. So, uh, large development projects may emit excessive levels of, of GHGs, and then they, they would therefore need to. Uh, find ways to reduce or mitigate those GHGs. And one way that they can do that is to purchase GHG credits on an exchange. Um, Projects that, uh, you know, on the other hand, projects that voluntarily reduce GHGs, uh, for example, 
uh, energy retrofits on existing homes, um, those can create GHG credits to be sold on the exchange. So the, the goal of the GHG exchange is to provide high quality uh, GHG reduction credits that are created in California so that all the benefits will be kept in the California community. And the credits are uh, transparent and, and verified and um, they provide an incentive to reduce emissions. Well, thank you both so much for talking with me today about the thriving CivicSpark program. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. And for more information, you can visit our website at slowcleanair.org or you can follow us on Twitter at slowcleanair. Thank you and have a great day.